be a part of the planned obsolescence of technology. (laughs) (laughs) Start a revolt. Hey, Science Pals, welcome back to another episode of The Random Theory. I'm Grace. I'm Michael. And together we are discovering the unknown. The unknown. The kind of, you know, people discover it before us. We just try to explain it. What a broad topic. I can't it wait is. to see what we uncover. I know. It's going to be great. Josh is out of town, and so Michael is filling in for us again. You guys met him um, last week on a previous episode or two weeks ago. About money. I talked about money. It was a good episode. I thought it was great. Yeah. How's life been? Life's been good. Um, the world seems to be falling apart around us at the moment. Uh, well, he's. I, are you talking about one Vanderbilt? And I guess just like the general economy as oh, a reason. Yeah. yeah, 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 that too. Yeah, the general economy and then, you know, one Vanderbilt, one of the elevators crashed today. So that was yeah. that was the thing. But yeah, life has been kind of weird lately, I feel like. But the weather's getting warm. The weather is getting warmer, which thank goodness, because I don't know how much longer I could survive with these winters because they are just... Winters in New York are tough. They're tough, especially because we didn't get any snow this winter. So it was just kind of like, bleh. Although those who aren't too familiar with snow in New York, it stays white for about two hours. If that. Then it turns to brown. Yeah. Slush. Let's hop into a rating and review. Let's do it. So this is a listener email. It is from Cohen Hahn. Cohen. Cohen Hahn. They said, thanks for the entertaining podcast to listen to. I love mostly everything, but there's an ad that said a bad word. Cohen, I am so sorry. Bad words are not cool. Don't repeat it. We're so sorry. We don't really technically have control over the ads that play, but I will try to make sure that no bad words, bad language is used um, in our ads because I do know we are we are a family show. So I will I will do my best to go into our back end and make sure that does not happen again. If it does, I'm really, really sorry. I was wondering if you could do a podcast on why electronic companies slowly degrade your phone speed and quality by giving them updates that slow your phone down, like Apple giving the iPhone 6 an update that slows it down. Love the podcast OGRT. And they included a little science pal. I love that. We love pals. We do. Thank you so much for the rating of you, Cohen. This podcast is for you. We are going to talk about that because this is actually a really interesting topic in my personal opinion. Yeah. I I think it's something that affects all of us and there's actually science behind it. And, uh, you know, it is an economical thing as well. Yeah. Something that's probably all relevant in every single one of our lives. Yes. It's kind of crazy. Cohen, the thing that you are talking about actually has a name. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It's called planned obsolescence. There we go. That is the name. And there are two types of obsolescences. There is planned obsolescence and perceived obsolescence. And both of these impact people on a regular basis. Yeah. Which is really interesting. So what is perceived obsolescence? So in economics, the perceived obsolescence definition is when consumers believe a product is no longer useful or no longer holds its value. So they purchase a newer model or upgrade that product. The obsolescence definition refers to something becoming obsolete or no longer useful in this context. Makes sense. It does. 
Perceived obsolescence can occur when a business changes the aesthetic of a product. So this can cause consumers to believe the new product, even though there were no major functional changes, is superior to the old product. This perceived obsolescence can also occur by customers in a broad shift in trends. So new trends in a product line may cause older products to now be less valuable to customers, so they're pushed to purchase a newer model of the product. And businesses take advantage of these perceived obsolescences to increase profit and to build stronger customer loyalty. Yeah. Seems like every year there's a new model for everything. New model for everything. New phone, new card, everything. Hard to keep up, right? It is. It's it's. This is the definition of keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. I just got the new iPhone. Yeah. I, I just got the new Honda CRV. Yeah. I just got the new. It's all about the new, 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 new. You feel like you have to have the newest and best thing right but it's not like new is like every five years where you know you can use a product sometimes it used to be but but now sometimes it's so short yeah i mean they come out with an a new iphone every year and they claim the camera is better or it has like (laughs) the zoomed out lens or whatever yeah is it actually better no maybe who knows but when you have the new phone, you feel superior to others. So there's some psychology involved with this as well. But to answer Cohen's question, we do have to look at, at business models and the business side of things because they are technically degrading your phone so that you buy the new one or your phone because of the new update can't handle how much storage or how much power this new update requires so you have to get the new phone to use the updates yeah it kind of urges you to make the upgrade yes on a routine basis too yeah on a routine basis because and and we're going to get into this a little later because it's the different types of obsolescence but it's it's really interesting when i was digging in this and it really amazed me how this is woven into society it is i think there's a lot of companies that plan into it with their business model yes because if they made a product that lasted 50 years what i mean at that pace like they're selling a new product whenever exactly new people enter the market yeah but existing customers they were to use a product for 50 years that one person might buy what two maybe in their lifetime maybe so in smartphones in the smartphone industry it this is like the most famous example of perceived and planned obsolescence so dozens of new smartphone models are introduced to the market every single year this is no shock to all of us we all know this many customers will upgrade to a newer model even if the newer model consists of the same functions as the older model some smartphone manufacturers will change the style color even size year after year and a smartphone company may advertise their newer model has a slightly bigger screen than last year's model but no major operational changes have have occurred like you just have a bigger screen i think one of the most revolutionary changes in the iphone though was getting rid of the home screen button that was huge like that gave you a lot more screen space it did made the iphone look five times more sleek yeah I think about having a home button now and that just feels weird to even think about there being a home button right. on my phone. But I remember when they when I got my first phone that did not have the, the iPhone home button, I was like, what do I wow. do? It became a thing in like cultural society that, oh, you still have the iPhone with the home button. Yeah, it really did. It's like, oh no, I need Which to get rid of this so iPhone. Which is so sad. Like, 
What is weird is that some trends tend to repeat over time, though. They do. I bet it'll come back at some point. Now, like retro phones I'm seeing are... Oh, they're trying so hard to bring the flip phone back. They're becoming a trend. Yeah. Come back in. Always. They always do. So smartphone manufacturers have created phones to be less durable in the long run. So this is exactly what we were just like, we were just talking about. Yeah. How they make it so it breaks. Some research and studies, because you remember those, you remember the phase of iPhone where it did not matter if you like barely dropped your phone, it was, it shattered. Like your screen shattered. Yeah. The screen wasn't very durable. The screen was crap. Like uh, you could drop it like from on the carpet and it would it would break. I remember like one time in fourth grade, I think not not fourth grade. I didn't have an iPhone in fourth grade high school, probably. Yeah, I was in English class and my phone slipped out of my pocket from my desk. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm in a chair fell onto a carpeted floor, shattered screen. Oh, my gosh. Onto carpet. Didn't hit like the leg of the chair or anything. No, just s- straight down onto the carpet. That's and that was crazy. it. The shattered phone. I had a case on it too. I just remember they were so bad. They just, I mean, literally you could do anything and they just, they broke. Yeah. I was so hard on phones growing up. That's not shocking though. <laughs> <laughs> like I was very aggressive with my phone. It was flying around all the time. So some research and studies have shown that the newer smartphones have batteries with shorter lifespan usage and phone components that easily break through normal usage like we just we just talked about. I have noticed my battery has kind of gone to poop on my iPhone. Yeah. I will say that's probably the number one driver on why I would get a new iPhone is yes. if my battery dies super fast. Yes. And it's night and day if you get a new iPhone. All, it is. All of a sudden your battery lasts like a few days. And now they have that back end thing on the phone where it's like you have like battery health and like you can check the battery health of it. Yeah. And whatnot. And I'm just like, ugh. and I get it. Like a battery can only be recharged so much, but still it's just like. Actually, for those of you who aren't aware, I was actually in the Apple store a few months ago. If you're, what is it? Is it like the utilization or whatever? Yeah. Performance metric they have in there. If it falls under 80%, technically your iPhone is covered by some iteration of a warranty. Well, they'll oh, wow. replace either the battery or the iPhone itself. Oh, wow. So if you keep an eye on that metric. Yeah, because I remember, because remember they got into really big trouble with the upgrades on the older phones and it was like killing people's batteries and people were like, there's no way like this is because my battery is right. bad. It was literally because of the update, which is exactly what like Cohen was talking about. Yeah. But they, that's why they had to do that because they got into so much trouble because they were literally killing people's batteries to make them go buy the next phone. Yeah. Crazy. This is what's really sad. Some smartphone companies have decreased the durability of their products even further by making them difficult to repair. Thus creating a situation where the only step is for a customer to go in and buy a brand new smartphone. Mm-hmm. So then you're into more obsoleteness where it's like, well, this is real like this is gonna be more expensive for us to fix. Just go buy a new one. And it's like, well, that kind of sucks because now I am just creating more trash on the earth and whatever. Yeah. It's like you don't want to get a brand new one. You just want the part fixed. Exactly. Cars are another market that experience perceived and planned obsolescence very heavily. Since the car industry is so large, millions of dollars are spent on advertising the new line of vehicles to consumers. I mean, th- think about that. Millions of dollars. 
And I think what's crazy as well about the car manufacturing industry is that they're subject to more state and federal laws when it comes to planned obsolescence. So cars need to have upgraded features according to legislation and mandates like safety components and emission control. However, historically, automobile manufacturers have used planned obsolescence in their strategies to keep customers coming back so that auto companies maintain a steady volume of sales. Because think about it. If they built cars that absolutely last, like where it's like you buy one car. 500,000 miles. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. You would have that for arguably like half of your lifetime. I mean, it obviously depends of how often you drive, but yeah, that's a long time. It's a long time. But like if, if cars went back to being fixable, because now with the electronics and blah, 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 and everything else in them, they're, they're to a point where it is unfixable. If something happens, it's like, oh, you just need a new car. You're telling me it is cheaper for me to go get a new car than for you to replace this one part. Yeah, like I agree. That, that to me is mind boggling. I'm also curious to see if there's some strategy behind this on how difficult it is to do a repair on your car because i have noticed some car manufacturers are easier to repair yourself than others yes some you might have to like take apart the entire engine block Mm -hmm. just to get to one part versus on other car manufacturers it could be like right on top and super easy to repair and if it's buried it almost incentivizes you to i'll hand this off to the dealership yeah and like, I'll just have them do it because it's going to be a headache if I have to do it myself. Because mm-hmm. I know with my Honda CRV, I could technically change the gas my, or change the oil myself in it if yeah. I wanted to. I think I think most you should, right? Yes. But the Ford Raptor, that's t- the T-Core truck that I drive sometimes, whenever I take it to go get the oil changed, it's like up and around the corner and inside out and backwards right. for them to get a bit harder to access yeah so it's like changing it yourself is a pain in the butt compared to if i take it to them and they they know very easily how to get in there and get it done yeah so it's exactly what you're talking about yeah which obviously they'd probably like for you to go to the dealership and have them do it okay now that we know about perceived obsolescence let's talk about planned obsolescence planned obsolescence planned obsolescence So the word obsolescence, if you're curious, comes from the word obsolete, which means no longer in use or no longer useful or old fashioned. Right. Obsolete. Planned obsolescence is the business practice of designing a product so it becomes obsolete earlier than it might naturally, a.k.a. sending an update to your phone, a.k.a. making a battery die, a.k.a. putting bad pieces in a car. They are intending for the product to die earlier. Exactly. So if you think this sounds sketchy, you might actually be right. It is kind (laughs) of sketchy. But there's a nonprofit property and environment research center, PERC is what it's called. The nonprofit PERC says that there can be good and bad types of planned obsolescence. Planned obsolescence can mean goods and services are being constantly improved, but it can also force consumers to spend more money on replacements for things that they already own. Right. So maybe not necessarily making a product knowing that it's going to go bad, but maybe it's the fact that that's the latest technology at the time. Yeah. And a year later, there happens to be new. Exactly. I wish there was a way that people honored buyback programs more and did more for it or gave you more for it. 
Yeah. For like iPhones. Yes. Or whatever it may be. Or the like your car. Like I feel like you can get a decent, like if you take your car back mm-hmm. to get a new one, the newest model or whatever. I feel like you can get like decent, not great money, but like decent money. I think some types of products are now offering some sort of subscription for the latest. Yeah. Almost like how you can lease a car. Mm-hmm. Right. But and it's like each year you can lease a new car if you want. Yeah. You're never going to own that. You're never going to own the product outright. Right. But you're but you're just paying a monthly s- subscription fee to own it. Essentially. To have it. To have it. Yeah. To use. I think Apple was talking about doing model. that, weren't they? Most most of the phones, yeah, are moving towards more of a subscription based model. It's really interesting to see what's going to come of it. Which kind of worries me. Then does anyone own anything that they're using at that point? It's a good question. Now you just are a customer of something forever and ever and ever. You don't have any asset to your name. I will say the price of iPhones has increased significantly mm-hmm. since I was in high school. Yes. They used to be like, what, $200, $100? Yeah. I remember it was always a huge day Yeah, when you got that notification from your cell phone carrier yes. saying you're due for an upgrade. And yeah. the newest phone on the market maximum price was maybe $200. Yeah. It's so funny we're having this conversation because I I literally just got a message from my uh, carrier and they were like, congratulations, you paid off your phone. Here's a newest model. Like ready right back. Are you ready to to upgrade? Yeah. Like your phone is paid for time to upgrade. And it's like, Dude, I just got done having to pay this one off. Yeah. Because now they're what? Like $1,000 or more? Yeah. Yeah. So why does planned obsolescence even exist? So the answer to why planned obsolescence even exists might depend on who you ask. So take this example. And it's one of the earliest identified instances of planned obsolescence. Guess where the, fr- where the first time planned obsolescence came to be. It was in the 1920s. I'll give you that. Ooh, 1920s. The wheels of automobiles. Wheels? Wheels. Interesting. It was actually light bulb manufacturers. Really? Yes. So a group of light bulb manufacturers got together and agreed to artificially limit the lifespan of their product from about 2,500 hours to about 1,000 hours. There's no way that would be legal nowadays. Nowadays, no. But back then... There are no rules. Like, who was stopping you, you know? Like, it was like, okay. Yeah, that almost calls to question now the sustainability of manufacturing products. If you're planning for various things to become obsolete after certain years to generate turnover, Mm -hmm. right? That's ultimately, hopefully, I I would hope that they're recycling what's left. But if they're not, that's all going to waste and you're manufacturing more products every and it, year. Yeah, and that is a really big problem. And I think that if you're going to lean into this planned obsoleteness or whatever it may be, if you're going to constantly have a new model, I think that the company should be responsible for recycling and refurbishing and fixing old models or you know, what do you do with it afterwards? I completely agree with you. Like if you're going to do that, at least take responsibility for the items and fix it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I you're just creating trash. Yeah, I mean, there's that part too, right? Of the waste of the old product. Mm-hmm. We're also thinking about it. They're creating more products because their old ones don't last. So on the manufacturing yeah. side, on the sourcing material side, there's much higher volumes because of that. Mm-hmm. 
So back to this, this light bulb thing. Some of the manufacturers argued that their shorter life bulbs were of a higher quality and they burned more brightly, which was a benefit to the consumer, quote unquote. Uh, another view is that the group made the bulbs less durable to increase demand to make more money for their companies. So to the former point, it's almost like they boosted the use yes. of it in like a shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, I don't know, the first idea that came to my head was like a box of cereal. And it's like you could get 20 bowls of cereal if you ate normal servings. And yeah, and maybe the cereal was like, you can get now five bowls of cereal if you increase your bowl size. <laughs> and so it's like now this box of cereal that lasted two weeks now lasts me a few days yeah exactly forces you to buy more exactly honestly so and to your point like there's some reasons for the existence of plant obsolescence so to improve a product's design like we talked about uh making cell phones lighter blah 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 using glue instead of screws for example so you're changing the product's design to encourage growth faster turnover of product could boost the economy promote innovation, create jobs, improve the quality of a product, and then to meet a customer's needs. So not every product needs to be built to last. So think about like children's clothes. The quality isn't super great because children are constantly growing. Like they don't need to be great. So in this case, like a cheaper product might be more important than durability. I have a question for you. Okay. Let's say Apple made an iPhone that would last you the rest of your life. No depreciation at all on any of it. It lasted and performed just as well on the first day as it did on the day that you die. Mm -hmm. If they charged you $20,000. For one phone. For an iPhone that would last you the rest of your life. Would you buy it? No. Interesting. So there is also a demand aspect to it. There is. Almost anticipating that new model coming out. It's not even the new model for me. It's the new tech. Like I'm going to be stuck with this. Like imagine if I, I only got the first generation iPhone. Yeah, and then you're stuck with that small screen and the home button the rest of your life. Yes, but I also think like our society is just screwed up in the head where we want the newest, latest, and greatest. Which creates that perceived obsolescence. Yes, because we want to be the cool person. Like it is a social status thing and it's kind of crazy. So there are some types of planned obsolescence. So there's functional obsolescence. And functional obsolescence happens when a newer or better product succeeds an older product in the marketplace. So the car replacing the horse and buggy, for example. Um, Like that is functional obsolescence. Revolutionary invention. Yeah, exactly. And then other forms of functional obsolescence might seem to benefit the manufacturers more. So prevention of repair. So when repair instructions or replacement parts and tools are made unavailable or warranties restrict who's authorized to make the repairs, repair costs, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Then there's contrived durability. And that's when materials or parts uh, with a known limited lifespan are used to prematurely end a product's life. So like a light bulb, that's built to burn out after a thousand hours. Sometimes you don't have control over the useful life, though, of some materials, right? Right. Like, how long does, like, a pencil last, right? Until yeah. it's out of lead. Yeah. I think some things do have a shorter useful life than other things. Absolutely. I, I think there's some question to the integrity of manufacturers when yes. they start to shorten the useful life on Which purpose. Which is, like, yeah, the contrived durability. With the intention to increase turnover. Yeah. 
And then there's systematic obsolescence. And that's when software is updated and becomes incompatible with existing hardware, like new apps that won't run on older phones. It's like when you get that notification that you need to like update your phone, but you have to have the model blah, blah, blah or higher mm-hmm. to do it. It's just so annoying. It happened with my laptop, actually. Did it really? I am no longer able to use my laptop because the software that I have to download. That's crazy. It's so large that I don't have the storage on my on my laptop anymore. That's sad. RIP. So let's talk about the impacts of planned obsolescence because there's actually a lot. So for manufacturers, planned obsolescence is generally a good thing. It results in consumers buying more and that means more revenue. More money. Yeah, exactly. But in other areas, the impact of plant obsolescence can be more mixed. And in the case of the environment, it can be hard to see any positive at all. And here are a couple things that it really does impact. So the consumers, obviously, um, the stylistic and functional advantages make a product smaller, lighter, and faster, and cooler. And the value engineered ensures the products aren't overbuilt. And then, of course, there's the environment. So the high production level could contribute to the depletion of natural resources and increase the consumption, generally leading to more waste. So according to a 2021 FTC report, Americans throw away 416,000 cell phones a day. Wow, that is a lot of phones a day. That are thrown away. And more waste can lead to a greater pollution and more toxic elements like lead, mercury, and cadmium ending up in landfills. Yeah, I was going to say, I I once read about the number of like raw materials that go into an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these are like natural elements of the earth that yeah. they're having to mine. Mining obviously has come into question a little bit. Sure. For the environment. But when they're not disposed of properly, it can it's probably really cause bad. some significant harm. Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, think about that. It's leaking into the landfill, and then it's leaking into the soil, and then it leaks into the water table, and then you and turn are drinking it. No bueno. No bueno. And then there's the economy. On one hand, the rapid turnover of goods can power the economy and create jobs. And the continuous introduction of new technologies can spur innovation and improve product quality. On the other hand, it encourages a culture of disposable goods and careless consumption. So here's the part of the podcast where I tell you how you can avoid all of these things. That would be great. It would be great. Um, How you can avoid some of these things. I'm not going to say all of them because some of them you just cannot avoid. Like the pencils. Like the pencils. Unless you stop writing. Just stop writing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't stop writing. You guys should all go to your teachers and be like, I'm not writing anymore. I will not be part of the planned obsolescence. That's okay. They'll probably then just give them laptops. Oh, yeah. That have a planned useful life. And then you can break it over your knee (laughs) and be like, I will not be a part of the planned obsolescence of technology. (laughs) (laughs) Start a revolt. Oh my gosh. Okay, so here are some things that you can help minimize, what you can do to minimize the negatives of this planned obsolescence. You can support sustainable brands. And there are a lot of brands that are making an effort to be more sustainable. For example, Target set a goal to be used 100% recycled or regenerated, sustainably sourced raw materials in its products by 2030, which is a great goal. And IKEA has a buyback scheme um, and gives second life to old items that customers no longer want. Lululemon actually does this as well. Really? They do. They buy back stuff and then 
send send it back out like secondhand. You can buy durable goods and these are products that are built to last. Um, Savvy shoppers can look for timeless designs, durable materials and goods with modular parts that can be switched out if they fail. The hard thing about buying durable goods is you are going to spend money. Yeah, I think back to my earlier point, you'll have to pay for a product that lasts longer. Yes, you have to spend money for durable products. And it is a good question because there have been times where I'm like, do I buy the cheap item that I know is going to break or do I spend the extra two, $300 and buy the item that's not going to break? And and that's, that's assuming you have the choice. Exactly. S- sometimes you're not able to afford the longer lasting one no and it it sucks because you're like i know this is going to break and that's just sad and disappointing you can also look for brands that offer lifetime warranties and this is jansport eddie bauer osprey zippo l.o bean and you can even check out different ones that have lifetime warranties like you can google it rainbow flip-flops yeah they do There's actually this website. It's called Buy Me Once, and it's a website helping consumers identify and buy quality products, which is super cool. Um, Secondhand shopping, obviously. You can save money and keep waste out of landfills when you buy anything previously owned. From cars to clothes, eBay and Etsy are two of the biggest online markets for secondhand items. And it's definitely worth looking into what individual brands are doing this as well because Patagonia and H&M, for example, offer programs where you can return your old clothes for resale or recycling. Shout out Patagonia. You got the patty on right now. I got the patty on. Patagonia has done a fantastic job, I will say, with their buyback program. It's it's awesome. I think they're great overall in the sustainability space. You have to be. If you're going to be an outdoor brand, protect the environment. Yeah, you should. Please. It's crazy. You have to practice what you preach, right? You do. Another thing you can do is repair, don't replace. Which doesn't always work because sometimes it's way more expensive to repair something than to buy something new, which is really sad. Right to Repair is an international movement of advocacy groups pushing for laws that could give consumers greater ability to repair their products. Right to Repair laws are currently being considered in about half of the U.S. states. And you can find more about it or you can contact your state representatives to find out more about that, which is awesome. So perceived and plain obsolescence are very much one and the same but i just wanted to kind of compare the two really quick for people so that you're not like i'm leaving this very confused so planned obsolescence is companies update products unnecessarily to convince buyers to upgrade perceived obsolescence is consumers feeling the need to constantly buy new versions of a product to feel on trend yeah that makes sense yeah so the iphone right Yes. You could very well use your iPhone for a couple years, Mm -hmm. but they'll still make a new model every year. Yeah. Which is planned obsolescence. Them planning. That's the planned obsolescence. Yeah. The perceived is you see Joe Schmo with the newest iPhone and you're like, I've got to have the new iPhone. Or shoes, right? Yeah. Or shoes. Oh my God. I'm the worst with shoes. Shoes and clothes. That's probably a really big thing. Yes. Oh, the store just, it dropped their latest line yeah you don't want last year's line no you want the newest and greatest stuff and it's it's a mental psychology game yeah i think there's more psychology that goes into perceived obsolescence Mm -hmm. whereas the planned obsolescence is 
more driven from the manufacturer side. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, Cohen, um, it's all about the perceived and the planned obsolescence. That that update they send out to your phone is some planned obsolescence, essentially, to make it not work anymore. So you got to go get a new one. Yeah. Or maybe some new technology was developed that the old model isn't able to run. Capable of supporting, yeah. Yeah. It sucks, but we're flowing right now with the technology innovation. Yeah, we are. Sometimes we're forced to lean in to the wave of change. Mm-hmm. It sucks, though. Be how it be. It be how it be. <laughs> well, guys, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. It was a great time. I learned a lot. I'm glad. And guys, if you have a podcast idea, make sure you drop it in a rating and review or send us an email at randomtheorypod at gmail.com. I want to keep going all year long with your guys' suggestions and topics and ideas because we're learning together and it's a good time. Yeah. All right, Science Pals, we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Stay curious and keep trying to learn something new. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc